This is Yoel Omowale and you're listening to the Yoel Omowale podcast. Okay, so today I have woo, a guest that I am so excited about because he's not really like a guest. It's weird. It's like he's a guest of the podcast, but he is uh, a friend. I, I'm, and from Jamaica, we'd say, yeah, he's, he's a cousin. He's family, really, because we go way back. Um, he is a human being. He is an artist. He is a witness as he as um and I, I like that word uh his name is david jackson as i'd mentioned and i'd just like to introduce him to yourselves and we're just gonna have a conversation and we're gonna kind of see where it goes lots of common ground um and yeah. uh, i love this brother deeply and he goes by the pronouns he and him david welcome to the podcast thank you for having me i'm <laughs> very much honored and excited because yeah. our conversations are always full of wonder so, yeah. yeah. Oh, thank you. I appreciate you so much. So as I've kind of done with most um, of the, the guests to the podcast, I think, um, as I've said, you know, in previous episodes, I, I've i moved away from kind of having a lot of like what conversations on Facebook are, are just not enough for me anymore, because mm -hmm. I think that this format and forum gets um gets us inside a person's inner experience uh much better than sometimes i think happens uh in just the kind of typing at each other so just tell us a little bit about perhaps hmm yeah just introduce us to kind of where you're at where you are at the moment and kind of how you got there yeah i would say i've i've found myself um in a state of discovery mm -hmm. um, and embodiment. And something that I was journaling about this morning is that I, what I've learned is that um, if you don't have a, if you're not practicing a kind of commitment to yourself and to yeah. your expression, um, discovery can take you away from yourself. Um, so I've been learning this, this space of learning to adventure and partake and discover while also practicing a kind of committed embodiment and mm -hmm. um, trying to be as present as possible with my humanity and with my circumstances and with the possibilities of who I am. And that matters to me because for a long time, um, 
I avoided myself. I actively avoided um, sacred parts of myself um, out of fear, out of um, particularly a fear of being too much for mm -hmm. the people in my life um, yeah. or for hosting and holding um, too many, what's the word? Um, I guess too many dichotomies at, one, at once. I was just yeah. afraid of being more than I could handle. <laughs> and so I actively avoided myself. And this really started in my like mid, late teens. Mm -hmm. um, and as I avoided a lot of questions, avoided a lot of possibilities in myself, um, yeah. I became very committed to a certain way of expressing myself in a certain mm -hmm. way of devoting myself to what felt like a sacred path. And I think mm -hmm. in some ways that saved me from a lot of um, chaos and in some ways it kept me from myself and it kept me from um, a willingness to be expressed. And so now that I've grown and done a lot of healing and done a lot of suffering, mm -hmm. I have the utmost interest in, in expressing myself. Um, yeah and in learning who I'm becoming. Cause I, I find myself in this constant practice of being grateful and expressing gratitude to my younger self. Mm. Cause I understand like, you know, I'm currently 29 and I understand that eight year old David made way for me to be here. Mm. And 15 year old David, even though I can see how hurt he was and how scared mm. he was, all of his expression, all of his, um, even avoidance, everything mm. has allowed me to become who I am. You know, 22, 25-year-old yeah. David. The only way I was going to reach myself was through those people, <laughs> was through yeah. those seasons. And so um, I just find myself in this sense of hyper-presence and hyper-gratitude. Yeah. Um, and it's brought me into a state, like I, I was reflecting last night, and I'm just like, I'm okay right now. And I'm, <laughs> I'm very happy with like letting that exist and not needing to complicate yeah. my life in ways that it's not complicated. Um, yeah. But that's come through some real suffering. That's come through some real commitment mm. um, to being honest with myself. And so I'm trying to live that out right yeah. now. I'm, I'm loving that. I'm loving that. And I, what I, I'm just thinking of as you're talking is, um, but many people won't know, so I thought I'd, I'd share this. And of course, you know, David, you can feel free to, to jump in at any point. But, mm -hmm. um, you know, we go a long way back. And I think a lot, um, a lot of the time these days about heritage and the influences of those who have gone before us. Because, you know, you know in African spirituality, there is a, a lot of um, conversation about the importance of your ancestors mm -hmm. um you know those those who've come and and it's sometimes because for many of us in the west we just almost see our uh, predecessors as you know, they've, they've kind of passed on some genetic information to us they've maybe taught us a few stories but there is a a, a deeper rooted kind of honor and um veneration that um that is more prevalent in in the sort of um i guess some of the african spiritual kind of worldviews that is mm -hmm. is really quite necessary. So, and as I think about some of the our shared heritage, you know, we both um, had so you know family members that were that kind of grew up in a particular context in Jamaica mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. musical context, and mm -hmm. were were very involved in Christian ministry and uh, were essentially yeah, formed and 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 as a result of that. Uh, shared musical heritage with a band together called New Creation, and they did a lot of music um, both locally in America and really shot onto a a, a world scene. Um, and for them, coming from you know being a group a gospel group in the kind of nineties that were doing quite revolutionary um, music, combining reggae and pop and restyling um, you know even even pop and R and B songs and singing mm -hmm. singing them in gospel form and really were doing quite um, cutting edge stuff that that mm -hmm. got them a lot of stick and flack and um, and I just think about even like you as a creative and I came across 
some of the music that you were doing and some of what you um the ambition the kind of creative imagination that you had has always been inspiring and i've always felt that several of us who have come out of that soil of that heritage yeah. similarly had this this joy saw or creativity as an opportunity to um to to do something big something beyond ourselves yes we always connected it with with the faith tradition from whence we came but it was there was this sense that we were here to use our song to use our pen to use our art or dance to do something amazing in the world and so just tell us a little bit about that creative spark you are a creative your songs make me cry your you 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 write and you speak with such a such intention such beauty what tell us how where did that come from or what or, i mean just yeah just make sense of that yeah, I love the naming of um, ancestry here mm, because yeah. I'm understanding more and more that I exist um, in relationship to so much of what was already expressed, you know, not yeah. only in my parents, but in my grandparents, my great grandparents, you know, mm -hmm. my uncles and my aunts and my great uncles and my aunts and my cousins. Like, I mm -hmm. understand that I do. Um, exist inside of a tradition and, yeah. and I think the tradition that I exist in has like you mentioned has always been one that leans into imagination yeah. um, and that leans into resistance um, mm. I remember being a teenager um, in South Florida and going to a private school that was um, called a Christian school but it was very very much a racist environment mm. in a very volatile environment and I um i remember dealing with like just volatile violent racism um mm. for the first time in my life i had i witnessed this and at this point i was 13 and this is when i started going to the school and i was there until i graduated high school at 18 but i remember going to this school after having traveled internationally with my parents and with our mm. community, our art community, and mm. having a worldview by this point, and then coming into a space where I knew I could comprehend that these, these children and even some of these adults did not recognize me as being human. They couldn't fully comprehend my humanity, mm. and it disgusted me and it enraged me. And I remember, this was like the first time I found myself being angry, and I was mm. in a constant state of rage mm -hmm. <laughs> um, all of a sudden and I remember talking to my mother mm -hmm. specifically one day and just being like mom I know this stuff is wrong but why am I this angry I'm like mm -hmm. I'm almost scared I'm almost nervous at how angry I am and I don't trust you know white people in general anymore I just don't know what to feel I'm just and she mm -hmm. said David one of the reasons you are as angry as you are and you feel as adamant on you know defending yourself and defending your peers your black peers mm -hmm. is because this is connected to your heritage you know and she spoke to me about um her mother who is mm -hmm. from the maroon tribe the maroon people in jamaica and she helped to connect me to um a heritage and a a collective tradition that i was born into um through my maroon um, my Maroon heritage, you know, this is a group of people in Jamaica who rebelled against their slave owners, mm -hmm. um, who killed some of their slave owners, who, you know, ran into the hills and created their own colonies and created their own communities to be free. And mm -hmm. even though that looked like something very different than what many of us comprehend to be um, as freedom or um, being an established, you know, in an established state, they ran and, cr and created and established their own freedom. And I remember comprehending myself in ways that I didn't beforehand until I knew that. Um, and I would say that was one of the first times that I comprehended how immediate um, ancestry, you know, plays a mark on who I am and how I express myself. Mm. Um, and, you know, creativity, I feel like creativity is an expression of trust. Um, at a very fundamental form and what I feel like, something I feel like I've always been on this journey of since I was a little child is mm. this kind of invitation to trust myself. 
Um, because I think inherently as children, we, I think we inherently trust ourselves. I think we're inclined to expressing ourselves genuinely and without much reserve and without much question. Um, but we grow, we grow into this concept, into this practice of fear. We grow into yeah. these ideas of being withheld and um, not trusting. We learn through suffering. We learn through betrayal. We learn um, through abuse. We learn through our society. You know, through whiteness, through capitalism, mm-hmm. um, that we can't necessarily trust. And so I learned that over time. But I feel like alongside this journey of like becoming less and less trusting was this grander, like this much larger and much deeper invitation to trust myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the clearest moments that that became like an actual commitment for me was when I was in college and, um, you know, I was, you know, um, devoutly Christian at the time. Mm -hmm. And my relationship to God was simultaneously very, um, very imaginative and Mm -hmm. very, um, I would say provocative, not in a, I don't know, just in in the context of how I understood things to be, the way that God would speak to me felt very provocative. And mm-hmm. I'm so happy that it happened because it's been consistent in my life. Yeah. Um, I've always felt like the invitation that I've had from from the spirit, from the spirit realm has been one that has brought me outside of my comfort, outside of my mm-hmm. familiarity. And at the time, so much of my identity was built up in how much I trusted God, how much I loved God. Mm-hmm. And one day I was saying, you know, these, just saying this prayer of gratitude. I was thanking God for everything in my life. Um, and it was a genuine expression of gratitude. And then, my, and then I felt like God responded to me. This voice, mm-hmm. this presence that I've always known responded to me. It was like, David, why is it so hard for you to believe that I could trust you with friends and with a song and with um, a car and with community and with expression? Why, why do you think, you know, that is so fascinating when I already trusted you with myself? Of course I can trust you with people. Of course I can trust you with land. Of course I can trust you with voice and with story because I've already trusted you with me, you know? Mm. And everything that you, um, everything that you trust me with, I created. And Mm. the creator of all this life, all these things, the source, this this source of love, this source of becoming, um, trust you. And what happened to me in that moment was I felt invited to trust myself. And I remember interpreting that experience. And it's like, I felt like God was saying, like, I trust you more than you will ever trust me. And that was a complete flip of my identity at this point, because my entire means of relating to myself is and identifying myself was around how much I trusted God. Mm. And God was saying to me, you know, you'll never trust me as much as I trust you. So can you trust yourself? You know, (laughs) that was one of the clearest moments for me up up to that point of Mm. understanding this invitation to trust myself. And I say that experience, I name that experience to say that creativity, my, Mm. my, you know, different forms of creativity has been one of the most practical ways that I get to practice um, a, a trust of myself, mm-hmm. you know, whether that's the outfit that I'm wearing, mm-hmm. whether that's the conversation that I'm having with someone, whether that's mm-hmm. the the language that I'm using and that I'm crafting with my writing, mm-hmm. whether that's the songs that I'm creating, um, mm-hmm. everything comes from this conviction to try and trust what I, you know, inherently and deeply sense and what I inherently and deeply um, see and when I do that, I'm practicing a kind of radical creativity in my life all the time. It's constant. Mm-hmm. Um, so this relationship between trust, this relationship between um, being able to respect and mm-hmm. um, appreciate and follow myself has mm-hmm. has always been tied to creativity for me. And so mm-hmm. 
I'm grateful for the, the energy of creativity that emits from me. I've heard that from many people in my life and that is something that I treasure yeah. because I think me being creative is me being trusting of myself and it's me trusting that I'm here with great intent and with great purpose. I, I've never heard that um, connection being made between creativity and learning to trust oneself that's that's just totally novel to me but it makes it's it feels like i'm hearing something that my spirit once knew and it's just going yeah you're, you're just catching up like i'm just like whoa that but then what what <laughs> the dots that are like connecting in my head because i'm like wouldn't that be such a beautiful goal for even as you are trying to discover and and um and pursue your life and pursue even what you think you understand about god like what we call theology is how much does it help you to better trust yourself because think about how much of the theology that we have imbibed and held on to that leads us to become uh so much more distrusting of our impulses or intuitions or desires we, we poison ourselves with so much rhetoric that's so negative and actually you think to yourself that's a that's such a, that's a measure of 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 the worth of a of, of, even, of even a theological idea does it lead you does it lead you to to, to love and trust yourself in a way like you said so beautifully that the creator of all that is has entrusted you know him or herself or itself to us uh, we are we are expressions we carry that essence and, and therefore when we distrust ourselves when we dis disregard ourselves when we disregard others and hold prejudice and you touched on the racism that is in an in and of itself an expression that we have still so much more to grow in as it relates to self-trust and trusting and Absolutely. trusting ourselves in a way that um you know like how the creator trusts us so that's that's just so beautiful for me i just really really needed to hear that connection you know, and I'll expand really quickly on that because yeah, go for it. Just for the Absolutely. practical, because I imagine there might be somebody who hears this and thinks, mm -hmm. okay, what is it like to to practice, you know, self-trust more? And I remember battling with that for years. I, I mean, it's still a it's still something that I process and I'm I'm always journeying through, but something that I realized mm -hmm. early on on that journey was like, okay, I don't feel like I can trust myself. Mm -hmm. I don't feel safe to trust myself. Mm -hmm. And what came, became clear over time was that the reason you don't trust yourself is because you know you're withholding the truth mm -hmm. from yourself. You know that you're lying to yourself. And you know that you are not allowing yourself to be fully present in the sense of like what, what you deeply feel, what you deeply recognize, what you deeply mm -hmm. believe, or what even what you deeply know um, because of whatever commitments, whether that's to a religion mm -hmm. or to somebody else's idea of who we are, yeah. um, somebody's expectations or other people's expectations, whether that's to mm -hmm. a certain notion of success, for whatever reasons we get attached to these things that aren't necessarily true to who we are. Mm -hmm. And we commit to this, you know, this thing that is outside of ourselves. Mm -hmm. And that's why we end up never, that's why many of us don't know how to trust ourselves because we're aware of the fact that we're not actually being true you know, in our yeah. expression. We know deep down mm. that we're avoiding the truth or we're avoiding what feels like a, a genuine expression of ourselves. And so mm. practically what I've been journeying through for years and years is mm. telling, just commitment, this commitment to telling myself the truth first, yeah. um, realizing that I owe no one the truth before I owe it to myself. So that's helped in regards to not feeling like Oh, when I'm, you know, this commitment to being a truth teller or this commitment mm. to the truth, you know, you involve so many people. We start to involve so many people in that when it's like, actually, that's meant for me first. And wow. if somebody has a spiritual practice, and has a, a deity that they believe in, that, mm. you know, relates to you and that God. Yeah. Or you and that, yeah. that presence first. And yeah. then you can extend that to your community however you see fit. But mm. this commitment to telling myself the truth has mm -hmm. helped me to trust trust myself because I know I'm not lying to myself. Mm. You know, I know that I'm not avoiding myself like I did for so long. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm not um, willing 
to commit to something that doesn't feel true to my essence. And so I become a much more trustworthy person when I'm practicing, you know, the truth, you know, when I'm living the truth. And um, that could go in so many different directions regarding the conversation, but I wanted to name that because it's a practical way in which we can recognize, well, maybe why don't I trust myself? Why do I fear this concept of God trusting me more than I trust myself? Why does that, why does that, you know, confront me and maybe it's because you know that you've you you haven't necessarily been the most trustworthy person to yourself but you can become that's a journey but you can work towards becoming someone that you can trust someone that you can trust more than anyone else um yeah yeah. so i wanted to you you, yeah you you needed to name that because i think as i'm listening to you it's 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 really touching me deeply because I think back towards um, my childhood. I'm just kind of like forced into this internal um, inspection of my life because I think that's what you need to be able to do. You need to become a witness first to yourself, yeah. to your life. To uh, can you survey your own heart and and see what you're really carrying? See the pain. See the shame. See, and, and so much of that has been you know culturally kind of indoctrinating to us or religiously whatever there's 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 a lot that people carry and it's like if you can't trust yourself unless you first see yourself really really nakedly really clearly right and then when you see the oftentimes you will then see the chains that are holding you down that lead you to feel like you can't be fully who you are and then again there's still quite a bit of work left so you've seen you've witnessed and then then you have to liberate yourself it's the the liberation is tied is tied to that and and sometimes the liberation involves walking away from certain ideas sometimes it might be saying goodbye to some things or some people um it it might mean stepping away uh for for a season from some things um and i think that that is painful for, for for many of us and it feels like the conversations i'm having with lots of people are, are related to that there is a very painful almost a divorce of some things to be able to get to a space where they have they they can tap into um the, the liberation uh, to be able to kind of trust themselves and then the other word that comes to mind is the word you mentioned at the beginning or you said you're in this space of discovery mm. so many people have felt so it's like the boundaries were set before they even got there. They're like, right, this is kind of who you are and what you need to do. Like, okay, so let's talk about creativity, yeah? How many people say they were brought up in a particular, just using the example of religion, but or even it could, it could be culturally as well, where you're told your creative gift should be used in this way. This is the way that it's, um, it's meant to be used um, and this will bring honor to your family or honor to God or whatever. So they've... They've say not gone into this kind of career to express their creativity in this way, or not tapped into that kind of art form because oh, you know that's not holy or that's not sacred or whatever it is. And so they've they've limited and they've never discovered and experimented with their being, with their creativity, with their imagination because they're stuck and trapped in a mold that says this is what this is. These are the boundary lines. This this is the these are the perimeters of where you know within which you you can play but you can't you know you can't discover anything beyond those boundaries and so that's that's like yeah i've just been thinking about that as as you've been talking and and i feel that neat that neatly kind of allows me to go in this direction so i know that you know uh, you know part of what i've common ground again you're you've you know, as I said, grew up in a church setting and you were known as a worship leader and you had an opportunity to be able to, um, to, you know, to kind of discover and expand that gift, cultivate that gift. And you had a chance to just tell us about just, just interestingly kind of move us in the direction of what it was like to then now move from, from Florida into some of these spaces that you had a chance to to cultivate these gifts but then found yourself interestingly um in an environment that was let's just call it probably ha- perhaps quite white uh, mm-hmm. and, um, and maybe culturally um interesting to navigate that and then and, and some of the kind of socio-political ramifications of that i just wonder if you might 
just be interested in sharing some of that? Yes. Um, you know, I find it as a, I find it fundamental to my, um, development as a human being is like the, the relationship between art, creativity, um, and then growing up in a worship culture. You know, my parents yeah. were both um, incredible, are both, you know, mm. incredible talents and incredible mm. musicians, singers, um, and they're both educators. Yeah. And so I grew up in this home and in this community um, that they created mm. of, um, just as much leaning, like just as much of a leaning into the art, into innovation, into imagination as there was into the intellectual mm -hmm. and into the practice and the study of humanity, of being, of becoming. And I really hold gratitude for that because I recognize myself as an amalgam, like so much of who I am is an amalgamation of that kind of um, breed, like that kind of bending and, and blending of culture. And so um, something that has been a very interesting journey, and I'm, I'm thinking I'll wait to say this, but I was, I was going to name something, but I'll, I'll journey there. Mm -hmm. um, but one of the things that I've I experienced in journeying from, you know, the safety and the immediacy of home um, mm -hmm. was coming into my own spirituality. In a, in a way that was so sacred and necessary for me. So mm -hmm. I grew up in South Florida mm -hmm. in um, a very large county named Palm Beach County. And one mm -hmm. of the interesting things about South Florida is that it is a very vibrant immigrant culture. Mm -hmm. um, I would say, I'm not sure specifically with numbers, but a huge amount of the culture of South Florida is just a mix of Caribbean and Latino um, mm -hmm cultures and so there's a very vibrant um, immigrant culture that I grew up in yeah. as well as a very vibrant um, black American culture that I grew up in mm -hmm. and I had this as my ground I had this as my foundation my parents were very affirming of mm -hmm. not only our you know our faith our beliefs around God mm -hmm. and who God is and, mm -hmm. but also around our blackness and around our cultural expression um, which I count a privilege so I grew up in a very immersive um, culture that, re that regarded Blackness as much as it regarded um, faith and belief and community. And so when I left home initially, I went to an HBCU, which in the U.S. is um, an historically Black college and university. Mm -hmm. And that means that the vast majority of students on this campus are Black. These are colleges that were founded um, throughout the um, very, like very early 20th century um, and mid 20th century for black students to actually be able to study um, because white institutions did not welcome black students. So I went to an HBCU straight out of high school, which was a sacred happening for me because I went from my, you know, experience with school being um, like middle and high school being one of a very volatile um, work, I mean, school environment to going into a space where I felt I was feeling very inspired and safe because there was mm -hmm. black professors and black students and were a range of different, so diverse, but in the context of blackness and my guards were coming down. And then my also, also in my own time, I'm having this kind of spiritual development and spiritual expansion that happened so quickly and constantly. Um, and so my my spiritual and, you know, kind of intellectual journey was just expanding quickly. And I found myself um, very much, you know, grateful and very much like almost unfamiliar to myself. Mm -hmm. But then I also was like recognizing parts of myself that I always sensed, but I couldn't necessarily imagine how it was going to develop. So I came into this very safe and rewarding space of mm. Blackness and education and creative culture when I went to FAMU and I started leading worship there um, with like a small community of peers and couple elders. And then mm. I went from that space to um, Northern California, I went to a school called Bethel School of Ministry, 
And this is connected to a church called Bethel Church, which is a very, very much a local church in a small town, but they came over time into, you know, a kind of global influence and at some level legitimate popularity and even fame, you know, in some circles. So I went there in 2012 and I transitioned from, you know, I go from this very white, racist, middle high school experience to a very black, vibrant, um, affirming experience at FAMU, at this HBCU. And then I go back, then I go into another majority white space at Bethel. And this space is a, you know, it's a Christian ministry school and it's very white. It's in a small town that is, you know, um, I would just say very conservative and at some levels very backwards in regards to their worldviews. Um, and so I found myself kind of jumping in between back and forth um, between these cultures of a lot of whiteness and white culture and then blackness and black culture. And one of the things that came with the experience of going to Bethel was that I was in a state of more confidence than I ever had because of my time at FAMU. My blackness, my um, humanity, my particularities were affirmed at FAMU. And so I came into Bethel confident and I thank God for that every day because I recognized how easily I could have felt a pressure to like essentially give myself away in order to pick up what was, you know, subscribed to and what was pointed to as um, sacred and as precious at Bethel, which was very much mm. being a white man, <laughs> essentially. But I never felt under that pressure because of my time at FAMU. And I was leading worship in this space, and I, it was the first time that I was really starting to consistently worship with, with big groups of people, thousands of people um, in a room every week. And simultaneously, as my stage, the stages were expanding for me, my, my place of worship quietly in my own life was deepening, and it was so beautiful, and it was developing. And with that was a, a deepening and an expansion of my commitment that I've always had to justice and this love for justice and love for righteousness. And so I found myself feeling conflicted between this love for justice and then this positioning in this majority white space because I realized there is not a love for justice on this platform. Um, as much as I, I imagine it should be, as much as I think it, it would be, there's not a love for justice. And so my commitment to justice feels like I have to separate it from this platform and I don't want to live like this. Like this is developing over time. And I start making this known to my, you know, my family, um, first to myself and in my family, and I'm starting to feel conviction, you know? So I'm sitting in class where for the first, you know, year and a half of my time in school, I feel like, oh, this is so beautiful. And then I start looking around and I'm looking at the book stands out front and I'm looking at the coffee shop in the church and I'm thinking, this is the stuff that Jesus would be flipping over. You know, this is the entity that Jesus rebuked and denied, you know, um, when, you know, these people were abusing the temple and I'm sitting in it and I can't, I don't have peace with it. So I started, you know, wrestling with this in myself. Um, and this is simultaneously happening when a lot of police brutality is starting to rear its head in, in America. And so I started becoming vocal. And before I could even start to really wrestle actively with that platform, you know, with the leaders of that platform on my convictions, I was started speaking about police brutality in America in very plain and pointed terms. Mm -hmm. And that, that turned into just chaos at that, at that space. I, I didn't realize I was the first person really naming the realities of white supremacy being wed being wedded to Western Christianity. I was the first person naming this at this church and in this community. And so I was perceived as this kind of violent yeah. rebel who was trying to cause an uprising when I was actually attempting to invite people into an honest conversation and into a reflection on how we could reimagine um, the way that we live and function um, as, you know, the American church. And so as I was confronting these things, and I wasn't ever specifically naming Bethel, I was always speaking to the American church, um, but Bethel specifically, the, the, some of the leadership and the music 
um, the music label and some of the pastors there really bumped up against the things that I had to say and the things that I felt. Um, and so, yeah, I found myself really, um, really having to like comprehend what, what, what am I committed to and what matters to me? Yeah. And essentially I realized that my commitment was to loving, you know, mm -hmm. God and then trying to love myself so that I could love my neighbor. Mm -hmm. And what felt true in that, in that context was for me to leave that platform mm -hmm. um, so that I could actively do that without, you know, bucking against this entire system that I didn't feel any allegiance to. You know, so I was like, I don't feel this pressure to stay in this because I don't feel committed to it. I don't feel any kind of allegiance to it. I think this platform has its, you know, its commits commitments and they're not my commitments. So mm -hmm. I walked away from it. But what I didn't realize was that was setting up a broader, um, a broader kind of commitment in my life. And I started realizing that, you know, this is going to expand and it ended up expanding into this commitment as a worship leader in general. General, realizing that as much as I thought I would devote my life to being a worship leader, I started realizing and wrestling with the fact that, you know, Jesus in the scriptures never invited us to worship him, mm -hmm. but invited us to follow him. Follow and, him. Yeah. and what I pointedly started connecting that to was Jesus's, you know, invitation to not, you know, pray and make our faith known in public, like, you know, these mm -hmm. Pharisees and these leaders, but to actually pray in private. <laughs> and to develop our faith quietly and to practice what that faith, you know, convicts us of. And so I started feeling a conviction with like parading this very sacred relationship that I felt that I had with God mm -hmm. on these platforms. And I was like, okay, so maybe I'm not actually meant to be a quote unquote worship leader. Um, maybe this, this vein of, um, worship is meant to be something that I commit to day to day in my life. Mm. And, and I'm, and over time I started realizing much of what I understand worship to be, um, isn't necessarily what I'm invited into. What I'm invited into is this following, this following of the way of Jesus mm. and realizing that I could witness that and, and notice that and felt permission to really commit to that outside mm -hmm. of worship platforms and sadly outside of a lot of churches more than in church. Mm -hmm. um, and so my convictions around worship leading started, it started feeling like I don't feel like it's a, a true and a, and a sacred path for me to actually continue leading worship on platforms um, because I need that, that energy to be reserved for my quiet life, for my, my own life. And the way that I'm serving and, you know, even possibly guiding others is through service, you know, in more practical ways and in, in more different ways. And even with my music, I wanted it to be a, a source of creative um, respite and healing, not only for Christians, but for anyone who might come across it. And I, and I started feeling convicted around the way that I was writing my songs, the way that I wrote my songs, only Christians could really engage and could only really relate. And I felt convicted by that. Um, I actually had an experience where I felt like God made it clear to me when I was writing my first album that I ended up not even releasing because of just a lot of beautiful things that developed in my life. But I was writing a worship album and I spent six months, the first six months of writing that album, um, thinking of a friend constantly, a friend of mine who is a lesbian woman, who is an atheist woman and who's a music teacher. And I was thinking of her constantly every day and I couldn't figure out why. Um, and then six months into writing this album, I felt like there was a moment of clarity and, and God was making some things obvious to me. And God was like, you know, the reason that you, you've been thinking of this person every day is because I want you to write songs for her. Mm. And none of the songs that you've been writing she can engage and listen to and feel welcomed by. But when she's, you know, having dinner with her wife, I want her to be able to play your music in the background. And when she is, you know, having a, you know, a reckoning in her life, you know, whether that's spiritual or emotional or relational, I want her to be able to play your music in the background to feel, you know, hope. 
And yeah. I realized that the way that I was writing my song, she would never be able to access um, my music in that way. And so I felt convicted and realized I want to write music for people of all beliefs, for people of all walks. And I want to expand the language that I'm using. Mm-hmm. And so this journey um, into these majority, like into this majority white space as a worship leader actually allowed for me to recognize the commitment that I had to actually following Jesus more than this obsession with placing Jesus on a throne, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and something that I've spoken to more recently is that, you know, I look at the church and how much of this concept of worship is, you know, people identifying as filthy rags and then worshiping Jesus on his throne while forgetting that, you know, this, the person of Jesus, this person, Jesus says, you know, I've left the spirit with you that you might do greater things than me. Mm. And what I realized is that this concept, this broader concept of worship in the church doesn't actually allow a lot of Christians to follow Jesus because they're very preoccupied with worshiping Jesus, you know, this Jesus who's on his throne that they that they could never touch, mm. you know? So it distracts us from actually being able to follow um, like we're invited to by that person of Jesus, you know? So mm. I've been living into a broader understanding of my commitment as a creative, as somebody who loves who I understand God to be and who loves people mm. and learning how to connect those, you know, those dots between relationship and creativity and expression and service in ways that feel more true to me um, and that don't feel as performative. Um, so yeah, that's that's where that journey really took me um, over time. Yeah, I, I'm just, um, I'm, I'm stunned to be honest. I, I know parts of your story because we've had conversations over the years, but you've put that together in in such a vulnerable, in such a um, a heart-touching way, and I think I think that there are going to be several. I even dare say, you know, hundreds of people who will at some point listen to this conversation, and and I think they'll find themselves, even if it's not at the time, but later on, um, in a deeply emotional place, um, maybe weeping, because I think that you even without even trying the the words you speak and and the way you share your story um I, I just i think it just pulls people pulls my heart to look to look internally and i and i um i'm just grateful i'm really grateful that you you shared you shared like that thank you yeah yeah so you know i mean so in terms of like what's next for you i don't know if there's anything like music wise uh, um certainly we'll provide links in the show notes and description for um you know because i've listened to your stuff on on spotify you've put some singles out i've really enjoyed your music so i don't know if there's anything you want to share about either music or potentially if, if there are any books in the works because i think it's very clear that you you have something to say something really um to, to say to not just uh, i think something that i think the church needs to hear but i think also encouragement um to other people outside of the church and to america i think that there is um there are things that you have to say to to, to this nation to that nation as well is there anything creative coming out um yes yeah, so this summer i i actually did a lot more um writing and creating alongside filmmaker, a, a filmmaker friend of mine. So I worked on a movie, the first film that I've ever acted in. I did that this summer in Chicago. Um, and I'll be eventually updating, you know, my social media and my community with that film when it's edited and released um, sometime next year. Um, mm-hmm. And I just filmed a music video for the next song that I'll be releasing called Indio. So I'm currently working on a project I'm very excited about. The songwriting process has been mm-hmm. very, <laughs> um, I, I mean, I feel like the only word that is probably appropriate for the feeling and the energy is like, um, kind of like psychedelic. It's been a very yeah. transformative, immersive um, a glimpse at like the universe of who I am and the universe mm. of, of who I think we are collectively as human beings. Um, and what is happening in the world. And I've just been reflecting on 
the possibilities of life um, as we're yeah. confronting so so much. I feel like we're we're confronting the crumbling of so many empires, yeah. and they yeah. are simultaneously they're connected. Um, and they've ruled a lot of how we function and operate as a society. And I think it's all being confronted through a measure of truth telling and a commitment to justice that is unique, is very particular. And so um, I'm wanting to make art that is um, reflective and observant of that. Mm -hmm. I'll be traveling a few different times this year. Um, uh, Hopefully if, you know, the COVID variants Mm -hmm. don't take on too much of a swing, but Mm -hmm. I'll be traveling to create with some amazing collaborators in music and in film. Um, And so I'll just be sharing that as as I feel ready, I'll be sharing music and I'll be sharing these film projects. but yeah, I yeah. am creating constantly. I have been, I just recently started writing toward a, toward a book. It's right. um, literally a few weeks in. Um, I've been writing daily and it's been a very confronting and demanding experience with just mm. writing with the intention of publishing. Um, mm. But it's been very beautiful. I've had so many affirmations and invitations to write a book. And I mm. feel like, um, the language that I've been growing into is starting it's starting to ruminate and it's starting to take its place. And I'm I'm excited to eventually publish work. Mm-hmm. Um specifically, you know, books. I'm very excited about the possibility of where that will go. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm doing a lot of creating right now. Um yeah. a lot of when I say early, when I said earlier that I'm very present, as, as present as I can be, it looks like a lot of creativity. Um yeah. so yeah, and you know, journeying into a new space with my spirituality. I think I've just been allowing myself, even what I was just naming about the difference between this, you know, um, invitation of worship versus the invitation of being a follower of this way of Christ, this way of Jesus that I deeply resonate with Mm -hmm. and learning how to apply that to my life in ways that are not um, for the in a broader sense that are not necessarily Christian, but that Mm -hmm. are um, true to my conviction and true to my um, understanding of who, who God is and what's who spirit is to me and what that is, how that resonates with others. So I'm discovering that um, on this journey Mm -hmm. and, you know, um, maybe in one of our other conversations, we can speak more pointedly, pointedly to ancestry and understanding the way that that connects to, you know, our spiritualities. And that's yeah. something I've been really processing a lot. So, yeah, yeah, that's where I'm at right now. No, thank you. Um, that, yeah, that's beautiful. I'm certainly please keep me posted as to, yeah, anytime anything comes out, just let me know. I'm happy to plug whatever you're doing, even through the, the podcast and in other uh, forums and platforms, because I just believe um in, in what you do and can i just say this because what's clear to me in this conversation is that um you're such an advocate for creative freedom just just by virtue of of what you've been able to do with cultivating your own it's it's so um it stands out to me because like one of the things i've struggled with i even kind of <laughs> came up with this concept i'm sure it's it's probably pre-existent but i just came up with this word of being a creative freedom fighter because i feel like yeah it's, the, it's this idea like we we live in a world as i think i've kind of made the point that i think our freedoms have been so boxed in and it's like you you have to be willing to to say you know well, let me expand the boundaries of the possibilities i had no idea that you were interested in film like literally none we've known each other a long time and i'm just so excited that david's like he's done his first film in the summer and he's and he's going to be collaborating and doing something else i'm like yes yes i'm like clapping i don't want to clap because it's going to sound really loud in the microphone but i'm like this is what i'm talking about like stop letting people tell you what you know like you could have just been like i'm going to be stuck in the worship leader box and worship leaders you basically get on the stage and you you know you sing like rock songs with guitars that's not not saying that that's bad or anything just because mm-hmm. <laughs> we get shot down but that's not the limit of what you know that would have been a shame for you to have boxed in and, and not allowed yourself to go beyond that so well done i'm proud of you for stepping out 
and for just inspiring me and others um, around you by just being willing to take those kinds of risks. Literally, any final parting words as we end this uh, particular episode to anyone, if you feel just the spirit leads you to say something to encourage someone or whatever you feel led to say, just just go for it. Yeah, I would just speak to whoever um, is sharing this moment with us, you know, that who Mm. you are is enough. Yeah. And that comes before anything you're capable of doing, anything that you achieve, anything that you perform and practice. Um, Simply being who you are is enough. Everything else is extra. Everything else is brilliant. It's it's glorious, Mm. but it is extra on top of the very inherent beauty and magnitude of who you are. Mm. And I affirm that truth in you. I affirm the practice and the commitment to witnessing and loving yourself. Um, I believe that is a significant part of why you are here. Mm -hmm. Somehow you showed up to this life and this world and this timeline as a human being. You could have showed up as a tree. You could have showed up as a bird. You could have showed up as a stone, but you arrived as a human being for a reason. And Mm -hmm. so I affirm the journey of discovering your humanity and expressing your humanity um because it is not only important for you it is important for us collectively we need you to be who you are and we want you to be who you are um and i speak those words only from having to journey into that understanding for myself and it's been a very freeing and healing journey for me. So I affirm that who you are is enough. And whatever you do from that, from that being is going to be just, um, an incredible, an incredible abundance. So that is what I would like to say to everyone listening. We receive Ashi. You are light, love and liberty, my dear brother. Thank Thank you. You You are too. Thank you for hosting this kind of space and for being so generous and kind with your wisdom. You have such a a belly of wisdom, a a bosom of generosity and your willingness to like not only share your ideas and share your wisdom, but to open your space to allow others to speak their lives and speak their understanding um speaks to your your confidence you know and even though that that confidence is something you're always going to be discovering Mm. you you have it to be able to share your space and share your your platform like you do so thank you thank you and now stop making me cry (laughs) (laughs) thank you i love you so much brother i love you too
wasn't that amazing. I promise you all, the podcast is getting better and better with every episode. Just subscribe. Hey, you don't want to miss a moment of this. Every two weeks on Fridays, you will get a dose of amazing. Listen, don't get left behind. Get raptured by the revolution, the black revolution. You're listening to Yoel Omawale.